coming up on this episode of Nerding Casually. We will team up and we will find that macho man Randy Savage. We will go through time and space. We will meet up with DC's Legends of Tomorrow and we will find him and we will chase him down. We're also talking about Batman versus Superman and wondering, will Batman kill anyone? And we're asking, what's going on with the Hulk and Thor Ragnarok? This is Nerding Casually, the show where sharks don't care about bullets. Dan, how are you doing, man? I'm pretty good, Ken. How about yourself? I'm doing well. Uh, it's been a, it's been an interesting week. Um, it's been a weird week, um, but it's been interesting. Yeah, I hear that. Yeah. It's been it's been a crazy week. I mean, not a lot of. Uh, it's been kind of slow with the comic book the comic book movie side. There has been, I guess, because Sundance is happening right now, so the focus has shifted away from these big blockbusters that are coming out and more yeah. towards these indie films. Yeah, and there actually some. Uh, there was one big film film that uh, that th- was released from Sundance. Like it got seventeen million dollars. I think it was like Birth. Yeah, Birth of a Nation. Mm. Uh, yeah. Apparently, Netflix like offered twenty two million dollars to the movie, and they turned it down to be distributed by Fox Greenlight um, for like seventeen point five million dollars. It's a pretty big deal. I don't know why they w- would want to run with Fox, but that's on them. <laughs> It's probably more of like a actually getting out in movie theaters and whatnot. No, oh, yeah, it's true. Um, and potentially getting more money in the long run. So, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So, uh, uh, today we're going to be talking about what we've been nerding out on, as usual. Um, I'm going to give a little primer on Doctor Strange, but we're not going to too in depth because I actually want to get a little bit more. Uh, I want to read some more of his books before I I go full. Uh, full full uh, ham on on dr strange um but before that like usual uh, let's get into some news dan what do you got oh man so as you know even though it's been a little slow on the comic book side i felt like last week was the week of deadpool i feel like this week is the week of batman versus superman there's been quite a few things in the news about batman versus superman and to start it off one of the one of the most recent headlines is will batman break his cardinal rule in batman versus superman so, pop quiz, Ken, what's Batman's cardinal rule? Don't kill anybody? That's exactly right. Don't kill anybody. And, you know, a lot of fans and moviegoers were upset to see Superman kill Zod at the end of Man of Steel. And a lot there's been a lot of emphasis on Batman's cardinal rule, like showing up in like Gotham. You know, they, they show a young Bruce Wayne saying, like, he won't kill people and this and that. And he doesn't want to kill people. And then even in as recently as Arkham Knight, the, the, the video game that dropped over the summer for uh, PlayStation 4 and Xbox One. It, uh, it heavily, re- it had the main antagonist, Arkham Knight, he, he emphasized that Batman will be tested and that the only way he'll survive is if he breaks his one rule. And, uh, and so my whole thing is, you know, NPC, <laughs> thanks for that, Matthew. I, I forgot to mention that Arkham Knight came out for Xbox One, oh. PlayStation 4, and PC. No, it came out for PC later in the fall. If you remember, it wasn't properly released on the PC originally. That's right. I don't even know if they still got around to fixing it right. <laughs> <laughs> Poor PC. That's not the PC's fault. That's the pro- the the company's fault because they didn't deci- they decided not to, you know, develop for, you know, the PC properly. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm, I'm sure Matthew has a few comments and he's probably yelling in his, in his office about that right now. <laughs> it's a great game for the PS4. I, I had no problem with it. <laughs> <laughs> well, we just lost the PC Master Race argu- uh, audience. so. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah. So, but my whole thing is, um, you know, everybody, if you ask casual fans and moviegoers alike, they're going to say, what's, it's going to, what's the one thing Batman doesn't do? He doesn't kill people. Uh, they made that a point in, in so much of the media that's, that's, you know, with, with, uh, especially with the dark Knight, with Christopher Nolan's trilogy made it a point that Batman won't kill anybody. And with Man of Steel, there was a lot of backlash towards Zack Snyder and WB for having Superman kill General Zod. I feel like there will be, if Batman does kill people in, in Batman vs. Superman, there will be, they're, they're probably going to rape, rake, rape, excuse me, rake uh, WB over the coals for uh, what they've, uh, with Batman killing people. I, I think it's going to be something that's going to piss a lot of people off. Will it affect... Ticket sales, I'm not sure. I don't think it will be. I think people will just be upset with it because, let's be honest, there have been, in the comic books, there have been times, thanks to Matthew for pulling up this argue, this uh, article, that there have been times that Batman and Superman have killed people. And even, even in uh, the 1989 Tim Burton-directed Batman movie, we, we see Batman not directly killing Joker, but definitely not saving Joker. Um and even in uh, in Batman Begins, you see you you hear Batman say, "I don't kill you. I'm not going to kill you, but I don't have to save you." And and while that may be a a justification or a loophole, uh, it's still Batman killing somebody. So I'm I'm not th- this whole Batman that Ben Affleck has crafted along with Kevin Smith and Zack Snyder. I we know that it's going to be an older, jaded, angry Batman. So. I don't think it's going to be that big a deal. Personally, I think if Batman kills people, it would actually do a lot more good on society. There's an article I read uh, a few years ago from crack.com, and it's, uh, it basically talked about who's the better the better uh, hero, Iron Man or Batman. And it basically, basically came down to Iron Man being the better hero because since Iron Man will kill people, Batman will break necks, he'll break arms, break legs. And these so these people... They're, they're going to become paralyzed. They're going to have hospital bills. They're going to be taken away from their jobs, especially since their jobs are criminals or henchmen. Uh, so there'll be a lot of burden and stress on the on uh, the welfare system, on the economic environment. So, you know, uh, in the long-winded <laughs> results, uh, I'm not going to be too upset if Batman breaks his cardinal rule. <laughs> I feel like that was like... Sliding into like a, a, a semi-political debate about like why <laughs> Iron Man is better than Batman, it's because he he causes less damage on our like welfare state. <laughs> in, in the Marvel this, in this year's debate. universe, when the president uh, is going to run, you know, for re-election, he's going to that, that's going to be his platform. <laughs> is it okay for superheroes to kill people? Yes, it is. We don't you know, want DC, leeches. DC is trying to make that like that. Uh, you know, they definitely have a presence in on TV networks now. Mm-hmm. But think about a a West Wing type show based in the DC universe. Just think oh, about that. That would be so awesome. Actually, I think Marvel has a TV show in the works, and it's called like Damage. Oh control. yeah, we talked about this movie. Yeah, or this show. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Damage Control. Yeah, Damage Control. Thank yeah, you, like, well, I think that would be a fun show to see because I could see a lot of, like, banter and this and that going on. But I would love, like, I love your idea of a West Wing, you know, <laughs> political <laughs> show set in the DC Marvel universes. That would be hilarious. Yeah, I think that would be awesome. 
and make it funny. Don't make it like a conspiracy. Like, like Mystique is trying to be run for president. She's taking, she's taking over Senator Kelly. You know, she killed Senator Kelly and now she's, she's uh, running for president of Senator Kelly so that, uh, that, that mutant legislation can be passed and this and that. Don't make it, don't make it dark and dreary. Make it fun. <laughs> yeah. It's been, that's been done before in X-Men. So yeah, exactly. yeah, you don't need to rehash that. Yeah. Um, so I, I'm gonna take that happy and and fun note and and go to a somber note right now. Uh, you know, today when we're recording, it's the 28th of January and it's the uh, 30th anniversary of the uh, Challenger explosion. Oh yeah, that's right. Um, and you know, a lot of like, I was not alive when that happened, but uh, I I remember it being a formative moment on for my mom and for for my friends that who were alive that were able to to witness that. Um, and it was just, uh, you know, a moment I wanted to take out, take out of the show and just see, you know, space exploration science is not without risk. And it's, you know, thanks to, you know, the sacrifice that these people made, you know, it, and it was a sacrifice because we did find issues with the space program and we found issues with the shuttle program in itself, um, that we're able to go forward and, you know, we're able to actually, you know, we're moving off that we've moved past the shuttle and we've going on to the new um, Orion uh, space system where we're going back kind of back to the old Apollo style capsule um, space uh, ship. Mm-hmm. And I just want to take a moment and, and remember that uh, and remember the crew. I mean, that's a thing. Mean, it's a it's just a, a, a moment in, I don't want to say our national history, but our world history that I, I don't think should be forgotten. And I don't think we have. I just wanted to take that moment. Yeah, I um, appreciate that. <clears throat> and, you know, there's a, one of the uh, specialists on the Challenger, uh, Ronald McNair, was actually, he studied at NCANT um, for his bachelor's degree. So I wanted to call him out, but I also wanted to call out the rest of the crew um, being the, you know, Scheduled to be the first teacher in space was uh, Krista McAuliffe. Um, And then the other crew was Gregory Jarvis, uh, Judith Resnick, Frank Scobie, Ronald McNair, who I just mentioned, uh, Michael J. Smith, and Ellison uh, Anazuka. And that's, that's it. I, you know, like I said, it's something that we should not forget and hopefully we never will. I agree. Yeah. It's, um, you know, we we have all these aspirations and these ideas of what space travel will look like, and and uh, what we can do, what the, <clears throat> what we can do as as the human race in space, and and uh, every everything that we dream up with Star Trek and Star Wars, the a lot of this, I mean, the space flight, these these astronauts that that uh, risk their lives to. Uh, go into space and explore and understand more. They they pave the they they're laying down the ground for us to maybe one day in the future be able to have these realize these uh, these these extravagant scientific fictional universes that we that we so much so admire and, and think about. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, and you you bring up Star Trek uh, in particular. I mean, a lot of the, the there were crew members on the Challenger, and there have been plenty of NASA astronauts and scientists in general and engineers inside NASA and outside of NASA and the private industry and, and wherever that, that were inspired by the sci-fi that, that led them on the path. And 
I, I think that's something that uh, we sometimes forget about sci-fi and, and stories of how they can inspire people to do awesome things in real life. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, it was. Uh, I'm glad we could take a moment out and 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 remember the crew and you know remember their 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 place in our history, our collective history. Yeah. Thanks, Ken. Um. So moving on from that great um, memorial we just did, uh, and and speaking about space is going into uh, the next uh, the next news article that I had was uh, talking about the next Thor movie. And have you uh, read much about this Thor three, Ken? I, I have not followed too much about. Thor 3, I know there was a recent actress announcement for the movie who's potentially playing the villain. Mm-hmm. That's about all I know. So apparently, Thor 3 is going to see this, I think it's Kate Blanchett that was cast. And That's she's going to, yeah, she's going to uh, team up with Loki and they're going to basically kick Thor out of Asgard and maroon him on a, on a, on a gladiator style planet. And basically for Thor to get off this planet and return to Asgard, guess who he's going to have to fight? Is it somebody who finds that all gods to be puny? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> or a particular God to be puny. A particular God to be puny. Yes. <clears throat> so they're talking about, and this is just a rumor at this point, but planet Hulk may be shoehorned into the Thor three movie. Allegedly. And I'm not sure how I feel about this because I feel like Planet Hulk is one of the best Hulk slash Marvel storylines out there. And to shrink it down into just a, uh, just a, you know, like a 30 to 45 minute uh, smaller part of Thor 3, I think it's going to do a lot of injustice. Now, I know fans have been clamoring for a Planet Hulk movie and there's basically, it's a, it's a, it's a huge scope of a movie to make it happen. I mean, you have to have Marvel could probably get away with it with with uh, with Tony Stark and and maybe uh, a few other a few other brilliant minds. Um, you know, with sending Hulk out into space, exiling exiling him into space. But I just feel like it, it would, like I said, it would do a big disservice for that storyline to to shoehorn this planet Hulk movie, planet Hulk into, into Thor three. Like I know it might be fun to see that, uh, but having Thor fight plant, fight Hulk to get off the planet, to go back to Asgard. It's, I, I just, it, they, ha- they have to do it right. And I don't know if they'll, if they'll be able to. Yeah, it definitely seems like a stretch. Um, I, I don't know. I, it, we, we know, I feel like it was announced that that Bruce Banner slash the Hulk will be in Thor three. That was announced, correct? Yes. I mean, I I hope it's not one of those things where like, hey, you guys aren't going to be in Civil War, but uh, you know, here's Thor three. You know, that Mm -hmm. movie that we, yeah, we we do Thor, but it's not you know, it's nowhere near like Iron Man or Captain America. Yeah, and you know, it's funny because I was reading earlier that uh, the reason why. Hulk is not in Civil War is is the only, is purely because it would be a one sided fight. <laughs> Whatever team he's on, it would the other the other team wouldn't stand a chance because he's too powerful. So. I mean, I mean, I I guess that makes sense. I just uh, I don't know. 
I feel like that's a, a really bad reason to just throw Hulk into Thor, you know? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. I totally agree. Uh, you know, cause you have Thor trying to go off to save his, save Asgard from Ragnarok and, and then Hulk exiling himself because he doesn't want to damage or he doesn't want to hurt the people. And let me just say the hero taking himself out of the action because he doesn't want to hurt those around him or her. That is the most overused comic book trope that, that has, that has surfaced over the past few years, especially in, in, in movies. And it just needs to be retired. I mean, and it doesn't work. It does. Yeah. Let's just point that out. That doesn't work. You know, Yeah, you have, I mean, so you had Spider-Man and I think Spider-Man was kind of one of the first major characters on the film form to on the film side to really to really give up the the suit because he didn't want his his uh, family and friends to be hurt because of it but now you have you even have Barry Allen in the in the in the flash on the CW who basically everybody on that show knows that Barry Allen's the flash but he won't tell his girlfriend because he's afraid that who by the way is a badass police officer that took down King Shark and he won't tell her that uh, that he's a Flash because he doesn't want her to get hurt. I mean, I'm ugh, makes me mad. <laughs> <laughs> and I certainly, I mean, Black Widow can certainly calm down the Hulk. If if the Hulk was to go angry and and try to hurt her, I think she could totally handle it. I because we, we see it in Age of Ultron. So, <laughs> I I would say this like, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, with. In regards to the Hulk, I mean, I, it definitely is clear that he took himself out of play at the end of Avengers 2 because he knew the Hulk. And I'm not saying Bruce Banner. I'm saying the Hulk knew. Yeah, Natasha could take him down. Or not take him down, but to subdue him. Mm-hmm. So I, I can see how he could just have sent himself off to a secluded island. I don't know how he gets to, you know, Planet Hulk, essentially. And that seems weird. In regards to... Uh, in regards to taking your, you know, taking yourself out of the fight because, you know, you could cause damage to your friends or family mm-hmm. or get them hurt or killed. I'm just going to, you know, use the quote that was used in, in Kick-Ass and has been used all over comic book superhero movies and whatever. But that's, you know, with great power comes great responsibility. You, you have to deal with it. You know, there's going to be some type of collateral damage. You either, you know, deal with it in protecting the people that you love and potentially something happening to them or not doing anything. And they definitely getting, they're definitely going to get hurt or more people get hurt. Yeah. Oh, and I love kick ass. I love that movie. That's so good. Um, I need to make a brief clarification here. Thank you for Matthew. Thank you to Matthew for pointing this out. It was not Patty Barry's girlfriend that took down King shark. Rather it was Harrison Wells that shot King shark with, with his badass gun. Uh, and even though Patty shot bullets at him, Matthew is quick to point out that he's a shark and sharks don't care about bullets. And I thought that was brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> we but, learned that tonight, everybody. Sharks do not care about bullets. <laughs> I think we might have a show title too. <laughs> <laughs> sharks don't care about bullets. Um, but yeah, just to jump back into what we were discussing. Um, the thing that I, that if, if uh, planet, if Thor three does include planet Hulk, the thing that I'm concerned about and you just mentioned this, Ken is that they'll just, they won't explain Hulk being on that planet. He'll just be there. And what we, as the audience will have to expect, accept it because 
as great as Marvel has been with orchestrating their movies, there's a ton of shit that they left on the table that we don't know how or why. Or you know, for for, for example. Tony Stark giving up Iron Man, being Iron Man at the end of Iron Man 3, then all of a sudden, there he is on an Avengers Age of Ultron, It's and there's no explanation to that, you know? Hey, he's Iron Man again. Yeah. So so here's the funny thing. Like, I, I, I guess I don't really care too much about the explanation. I feel like it might be better if I don't even explain it. You know, just have that, like, how the hell did you get here? Like, like <laughs> just have Thor ask that question, and Hulk be like, Ugh. And then that, that's all you have to do because Hulk, like, isn't going to, you know, properly communicate with Thor about it. I'm like, huh? And that's all you need. But no, I, feel I feel like, like if, that's if you... lazy storytelling on the writer's part on par with with uh, the T-800, the old T-800 from <laughs> Genesis, Genesis saying that's been deleted. Well, you know how I am about that movie. But but what I was, I, I'll add to that and just saying like, and that's how we can shoehorn in an actual Thor movie. Or not Thor movie, but Hulk movie. Hulk movie. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. But I guess then we get into prequel drama and we don't want that. Yeah. <laughs> or maybe the Hulk movie could actually be like a couple of like three or four different stories along the Hulk storyline. You mm. know, after, you know, after the first Hulk recognized Marvel movie, um, what happens for a while, and then uh, the what how he got to Planet Hulk, and then maybe what happens after, you know, Ragnarok. That could be three stories that they could shoehorn in, and it could be done. I'm sure there is a writer out there, an editor out there, and a director out there who could do this and not have any problems doing it. I like that. From and I'm only going to say this. I don't want to be the asshole that says this. <laughs> from a legal standpoint. Um, Marvel and Marvel's ex- explained that they won't do any solo Hulk movies because Hulk is co-owned by Universal uh, right now. Uh, so yeah. Marvel doesn't have the full rights to Hulk. They kind of do what they're doing right now with Sony and Spider-Man. Um, that's and and some have speculated that that's why they want to do a Planet Hulk mini movie in the Thor Ragnarok Thor three movie. So so here's how you get around that: uh-huh. you have Hulk or actually Bruce Banner and a Natasha Romanoff movie where Bruce is telling Natasha how all of this happens. Uh, Boom. <laughs> you know, it could be it could be like Iron Man 3 where it's basically an entire Hulk movie and then and then at the end you find out that he's that it's Natasha explaining this to him. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry Universal, it's uh it's not exactly a solo Hulk movie. <laughs> <laughs> So speaking about uh, big changes, uh, one thing that I'm excited about as a Doctor Who fan is that Stephen Moffat, who has been the writer for Doctor Who since 2010, um, is stepping off the show. And what that means is that we get a different perspective in the show. And I'm really excited for that because I am a Doctor Who fan. My biggest concern so far is that uh, the rumors of Peter Capaldi also leaving with it, but those have not been instantiated or uh, substantiated, excuse me. Um, And there's a story from Radio Times where Peter Capaldi, who is the current doctor on Doctor Who, um, is actually giving a a ringing endorsement for Christian Bell, who is the incoming Doctor Who showrunner for season, well, the season for 2017. Hmm. Um, So... There is a cool quote um, that I like. Uh, Peter Capaldi is awesome, by the way. He plays guitar. He's a flipping rock star. He knows uh, Craig Ferguson from when they played uh, in a band together in the old days. 
So uh, just a little throwback there to Craig Ferguson and whatnot. Peter Bacaldi, Capaldi, I cannot say his name properly, um, has a uh, had a great quote about Christian Ball. And I just want to say that before we move on. Um, and that is this, quote, I think Chris is a wonderful writer. So that that's exciting thing. That's the exciting thing about Doctor Who. I don't really know what he's going to do with it. It's going to be different and he'll take it in a direction that is his. And that'll be very exciting. And I, you know, that's, like I said, that's the greatest thing about the, the show is that this show is over 50 years old at this point. It's had 12 different lead actors, actually 13 different if you count uh, uh, the War Doctor. You've had this show that has morphed over the years and, and has changed, you know, you know, companions as well as doctors and, you know, has introduced strong female characters, you know, alongside the doctor and everything as well. And yeah, so I think that's one of the things I like about the show. I, you know, I've said in the past that I, I don't, I can't imagine watching Doctor Who beyond Peter Capaldi because, you know, I think he might be like the ultimate version of the Doctor for me because he's so like, he, he he's got that you know that 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 wit about him and this like tinge of anger that works well. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's one of the things I love about the show. Um, I know you're not that big of a fan, so I won't I won't stay on it for too long. But I, I did want to drop that in there. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. I like Peter Capaldi. I haven't seen him as Doctor Who, but he was in the movie Paddington, and I really love that movie. So he was also in World War Z as the WHO Doctor. Oh, snap. I'm going to have to rewatch. <laughs> By the way, I still think Paddington's an underrated movie. Um, my parents, when they came up here for Christmas, we watched it with them. And my parents, being the uh, straight laced, serious people they are they didn't like it at all and i was really really upset about that because i think it's one of those movies that if you're having a bad day you can put it on and it's just it's just a good movie to cheer you up (laughs) that that's good that that's that's what the world needs more of is those cheer up movies that's right so speaking of things that might this won't cheer you up (laughs) (laughs) nope won't cheer you up at all (laughs) (laughs) because we're going from great fluffy bears with pea coats and and rain hats to (laughs) dark side (laughs) the ultimate dc villain um so as i stated earlier there's been a lot of uh news about batman versus superman and there's been a, a ton of images that have been released from the movie one of those being an image of Batman from the nightmare dream sequence that he has. And he looks like he's standing over a cliff and looking on this huge wasteland below and burned into this wasteland is the Omega symbol that so many DC fans associate with, with being dark side, which kind of basically more or less confirms what I've been saying since day one, that dark side was going to be the big presence that would that the Justice League would fight. I uh, I I thought it might be Brainiac, but then I thought Brainiac was too small of scale for the Justice League. I think uh, they could they could deal with him, and it wouldn't be a big a threat as Darkseid. But uh, with Darkseid, we see we we see all sorts of hints, especially during the nightmare sequence that they've that we've seen in in previous trailers and clips. We see the Parademons fighting and. Um, and now, like I said, now we see this Omega symbol that's that's the symbol of Darkseid. So I'm pretty excited about it. Um, a lot of people are thinking that this might be uh, DC trying to compete with Marvel with Thanos. And I don't think that's the case. 
because I think that they're Thanos and, D- and Darkseid, while they have similar powers, they're two different entities and they're easily distinguishable. Um, and so I don't, I don't know. Um, I think that Darkseid will, you know, will live up to his name, of course, and he'll bring, I, I think his destruction, his doom and gloom with the tone that DC's taking with their cinematic universe is going to be a lot more destructive than what Thanos is going to do with the Infinity War. Hmm. I, I got to be honest with you. I don't know too much about Darkseid. I've, I, I don't, so I, I can't really comment too much on that. So, hmm. Yeah, I, I will. I will join the theater mass and and be oohed and odd or let down, however it may be about about the appearance of Darkseid. <laughs> so my hypothesis is, and you know, just to give you a brief rundown, he's from the planet Apocalypse. He's basically Titan level. You know, with Thanos, he's uh, he's powerful. He's he's a telepath. He's telekinetic. Uh, he's He's, he's this hulking stature of, uh, of, a, of a creature. He shoots laser beams out of his eyes. He can disintegrate people. Uh, actually, the new Superman adventures, the, the, there was a cartoon show on the WB in the late 90s, mid to late 90s. They did an mm-hmm. excellent job with Darkseid coming, uh, coming to Metropolis to try to, uh, to dominate the world. And, and actually, they did a Death of Superman story arc where Darkseid killed... Superman, or he killed Clark Kent. Um, and so everybody thought that Clark Kent was dead, but it turned out he just faked his death, and it was kind of funny how that happened. Um, fooling, Lo- fooling Lois Lane. Um, but I digress. Um, where was I going before I digressed? <laughs> You're just giving a brief uh, history of Darkseid. Yeah. Um, oh, yes, now I remember. Um, I don't, I don't think that this means that because we see the Omega symbol, I don't think that this means at the end of the movie, we're going to see dark side show up with his pair of demons and all right, justice league, you know, get, you get, you get to fight me now, you know, be prepared. Uh, and that'll be the, the cliffhanger until the next movie. I don't think that that's what's going to happen. What I think would be cool, would be really cool is if they had like some of, uh, dark sides minions, like, uh, granny, granny goodness. Yes, thank you, thank you. Um, That's that a we'll disturbing st- picture. <laughs> I don't think that they'll do it. I think that would be... I mean, <laughs> Batman versus Superman is already overstuffed as it is with uh, with characters and potential characters that they'll be teasing. I don't think they're going to put Granny Goodness in there, but I just think it'd be kind of funny to see that as kind of be the uh, the horseman to Darkseid's, uh, you know, pre- doomed coming i guess you could say and and it's really funny that we have x-men bringing in apocalypse we have dc bringing in dark side and of course marvel's been working on thanos for the last 10 years it's just it's really funny that that the that we're seeing the the big guns i'm i would i wouldn't be surprised to see x-men battle galactus next (laughs) (laughs) so yeah i don't that that's the one thing I have a concern about uh, uh, X Men is like I don't know where you can go after Apocalypse. Like, it, I, I guess you could do some like Death of Mutant storyline, but I just don't know where you would go with it. I just it, it, that that's my biggest concern about the X Men series because they do want to keep making more movies and you know, and and branch out from there. But I just what do you do? 
what I mean, the comics continued after Apocalypse, so mm-hmm. there, there's definitely room for it. I just feel like cinema is a different medium, a different animal. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I think what would be a good idea for X Men, and this is just me speculating, but if uh, they start, if after Apocalypse, if they'll do the, if if they'll really bulk up Magneto, and I mean, I hate to to use Magneto as a main villain in the X Men franchise again, but it only makes sense. Uh, that Magneto will further his army and then possibly go uh, to Asteroid M and, um, you know, go from there. I mean, I don't know. Um, but I could see I could see the X-Men going into space, fighting with Fantastic Four, or I could see what would be more, prob- more of a good idea for them to do would be to not do a worldwide destruction type thing but have the Sentinels bring more of a presence fighting to bring down to get all the mutants. And while that's happening, have Magneto and his forces hunt down the, the X-Men as well, uh, slash the, 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 uh, the Sentinels um, so that, you know, the X-Men are trying to fight, fight off the Sentinels and Magneto's army and Magneto's army is trying to fight off the Sentinels and Xavier, they're trying to kill Xavier's students as well. I think it would be kind of a really interesting storyline if they did something like that. Because you could have you could have that destruction that so many superhero movies have to have with the Sentinels in, in these battles. And you could also see some really cool mutant battles with that. I guess another thing, because so, or Fox does have rights to Scarlet Witch, they could do M-Day. Ah, yeah. Which I, I I would be honest I don't know too much about the M Day storyline but I do know that it's uh, it's intertwined with the Scarlet Witch and killing off almost all or either depowering the mutants so That'd be I, I I think I I think that X Men might be in a potentially perilous position but they might be in a good position thanks to Avengers introducing us to Scarlet Witch as well. Because at that point, you don't have to... You can explain, yes, Scarlet Witch is there. Um, and, you know, she has powers. But you can also not have to give too much of a backstory or delve too much into that as well. Yeah. Well, what they'll probably end up doing is... I've heard rumors of the Dark Phoenix saga. They'll, they'll probably want to do that. So, I don't know. I mean, that could be good if they go with the... I mean, since they do have the new uh, new actress from Game of Thrones playing uh, Jean Grey. Mm-hmm. I also I also like the idea of that Brian Singer said recently is like well time in this X Men universe is very elastic, so while it seems like we're we're going back to where X Men the first X Men took place, mm-hmm. um, don't necessarily count on that being the situation. Yeah, I I I, I wasn't under the impression that uh, X Men Apocalypse is going to end where X Men the first X Men picks up. Um, just because the, the, the Cyclops and Jean Grey, they're just too young to be where the, where we see, where we first meet Cyclops and Jean Grey in, uh, in the first X-Men movie, you know, where Jean Grey is testifying for Congress and what have you. Which I have to say, I mean, going back to those movies, like we've talked about them before, but you know, the first X-Men movie, like I, that was such a good movie. Like, oh Yeah. And it, it really did a thing where, honestly, I did not feel like it was a worldwide event. It felt like it was was localized to New York. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it, it did a good job of, you know, creating a a strong enemy, a strong villain for 
X-Men mm-hmm. and Magneto, which is obvious that you go with Magneto. Mm-hmm. But it's it's it did this job of not making everything seem like it was all the stakes. You know, everything's at stake. Mm-hmm. You know, it definitely felt like there was, you know, a major... You, you had a reason to root for the X-Men, but it didn't it didn't give us that like tired or what is now feels tired to me, at least trope of, you know, the earth is going to be destroyed or whatnot. Yes. Y- you didn't get that. And I, I, I wish I wish more movies could take from that. I, I, you know, I feel like all the X-Men movies have done that to an extent. I mean, even with uh, Days of Future Past, yeah, the world was screwed up, but it was more of saving mutant kind and and the earth by byproduct you know mm-hmm. yeah totally it's not there wasn't the epic destruction that we've seen uh yeah i totally understand where you're coming from totally agree yeah cool yeah so uh we have some some really good things to look forward to with dark side and with apocalypse and with uh apocalypse for x-men mm-hmm. yes <laughs> Okay, that was pretty bad. I'm sorry, everybody. Um, speaking of X-Men, uh, I had this uh, this uh, article for last week, but we didn't have time. And unfortunately, it looks like Marvel said no. Um, because uh, this, uh, this, this uh, creator uh, came up with a, a cool little series called the X-Men Danger and Protocols. Mm-hmm. Released the Jean Grey uh, slash Marvel Girl um, and Wolverine episode. And seems like Marvel pretty much shot it down. They even like took down like some of the peripheral like Vimeo links and the uh, that people weren't hitting at first. Um, the the gifts that are remaining, the images that are remaining, look amazing. Even the voice acting in the in the videos are really good. And I I, I wish there was an I'm I'm gonna change the story into talking about like how awesome this is, and I'm gonna change it into wishing that studios would let people. To an extent, and I understand you don't want to damage your property, but to an extent, letting people have fun with, with you know, characters that they love, you know? Huh. I mean, one of the things that I love about CBS and Star Trek is that there is there has been a major, even since like back in the 70s, there, there have been fan films for Star Trek. I mean, currently there are... Un, I don't even know how many. I, I personally had followed two or three um, fan series for the original um, Star Trek. Uh, one was a continuation of the uh, five-year mission for Kirk. One was a one called Star Trek Continues, which was about a completely different or different crew. Actually, Continues is also about Kirk. Then there's another one that's about a different crew. And there was another, um, what was a 30-minute movie, essentially, um, a documentary called uh, Prelude to Axnar, which was about the captain um, who is known as a, uh, oh, I can't remember his name either right now. Damn. <laughs> um, <laughs> but he, he actually appeared as a character in the original series and it led to him. Uh, uh, Garth of Axar, uh, Axar, that's that Axnar. That's what his uh, name is from. Um, but it, Prelude to Axnar was showing like how the Federation war against the Klingons like became to be. And it was a really great 30 minute, like, like it was a mini movie so they could raise money to make the actual like movie. 
and they used that to run their Kickstarter, and it was successful. They blew the 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 you know the like the the limits out of their Kickstarter and making what they wanted to do. But just like the Marvel and X Men uh, Danger Room, CBS actually cracked down on Axnar, which is actually the first time that they've ever cracked down on a fan production. Hmm. And part of it, the reasoning there is that it's the the graphics in Prelude Axnar and apparently the movie Axnar were way beyond uh, what most fan productions are, and they looked cinematic in in their in their um, in their features. Oh, wow. But uh, I, I just I wish there was a room, there was more room. And like I said, CBS, I give them, I praise them because they have done this in the past. But I wish there was room to say, hey, you know, you can't make money off of this. But have fun with it. Do fan art. Do you know? Do fan movies. Do like if you want to spend like a thousand hours drawing something and coming up with it and designing it, then do it. But don't try to make money off of it. I think that's acceptable. You can't make money off of somebody else's property, but have fun with it. Yeah. You know. I mean, that's how we. You know, that's how we get these. You know, cool like side projects like the Power Rangers project from like a couple years ago. Oh yeah. Totally. Um. Like things like that. I mean, it. it I, I just feel like it's. <laughs> you've got to cultivate that fan base, and hell, you might get some great ideas from them. And guess what? You own the property when you do that. So you can say, "Hey, I saw this idea. I know you came up with that specific idea. What mm-hmm. we'll do is we'll we'll bring you in as a consultant, maybe even a writer for it, um, and we're going to make this this idea into a movie. And it might not be what you pictured it as in that like." 10 minute, 15 minute, hour long slot of video that you made, but it's something that we're going to incorporate into our product because it is ours and that's fair, I feel. Um, and and do something with it. You know, the one thing that comes to mind when, uh, when I hear you say this is uh, I'm the juggernaut bitch. Because <laughs> <laughs> that is like the perfect example right there. You know, you had the X Men My Way videos that they they put out on YouTube, mm-hmm. and uh, and that one with just the Juggernaut running around the whole time saying I'm the Juggernaut bitch, and then <laughs> X Men Three having Juggernaut say that line. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean, I, I wish, I, I, you know, again, CBS, you you have done a lot for uh, in allowing fan productions, and I I again praise you for that. I just wish there there was acceptance like hey you know we're gonna do more Mm -hmm. um not from cbs per se but like maybe from the from marvel from fox etc um because good ideas come from everywhere yeah not just la you know in fact i feel like that's where usually good ideas go to die but that's another story (laughs) for another time yeah i know i totally agree i totally agree um, and just piggybacking off the Star Trek uh, um, prelude to Axnar, I'm the Entertainment Tonight did it a couple of weeks ago a uh, beyond the behind the scenes uh, set of videos for Star Trek Beyond, mm-hmm. um, and again, just like the the scenes look great, um, that are the the sets look great. They showed the Enterprise and they showed that it was actually worn some, like their the ship had been lived in, and. It's because, you know, at the end of Star Trek Into Darkness, they actually are released onto their five-year mission. And at this point, apparently when the, the movie starts, they're a couple of years into that mission. 
And we find that, you know, the crew is homesick. They want home. Sulu has a picture of his daughter on the helm controls. Um, something that's obviously not, probably not in regulation. But uh, I also like that it's a reference to Star Trek Generations where his daughter was the helm of the Enterprise B. Um, and I, I just, I, I like seeing that. I like seeing these stories and, and, and seeing more news about Star Trek Beyond. So I, I'm pretty excited. I'm really excited for this movie, so... Yeah, I'm right there with you, man. And and I, I mean, I'm supporting Star Trek Three. I'm one of those fans that I love the the teaser trailer. So I'm, I, I just wonder how the negative backlash is going to do when the uh, when we see the next trailer. <laughs> yeah, you know, I I think I think the backlash is just in the way that Hollywood movies or Hollywood studios um, crap on the fans and crap on. <laughs> fan productions. I mm-hmm. think the fans crap on Hollywood just a little bit too much as well. Yeah. Um, because like I said before, Hollywood has to, they have to make a profit. That's just, their job is to make entertainment that brings in money. And I understand that, you know, I, you know, I work a job so I can bring in home, bring home money to do what I want to do and, yes. you know, extend my life for a little bit longer so I can, you know, feed myself. But, uh, I, I feel like, you have to bring in people to see the movie. And in order to do that, you you got to introduce new ideas, like try to get people that might not be in, like might not be into Star Trek by some, you know, give give us some action, give us some, you know, some different things like, you know, throwing in Beastie Boys music, you know? Mm-hmm. Oh, so yeah. I, I, I'm not too, for me as a quote unquote uh, Trekker, I, I'm not too concerned about it. I know what it's there for. But uh, yeah, I, Sometimes the fans need to back off a little bit. Oh yeah, totally agree. I now in regards to the movie, like I, I think they're gonna get some more serious trailers coming along. But I think, in all honesty, I think this is gonna be a movie that's closer to the original idea of Star Trek. Anyway, like just from the few scenes that we were able to get, it felt like it. Yes, there were some action shots that the original Star Trek definitely didn't have, but it just there's this feeling that. Star Trek and Star Trek Into Darkness trailers did not have that that felt like oh this is you know planet of the week type of thing where we beam down to the planet and we you know engage in the situation that you know is a great allegory for what we're going through um, among ourselves and in our society so mm-hmm. I'm looking forward to it yeah I'm right there with you buddy all, all right, right. <laughs> Um, so with all of that out of the way, um, as we started the show, I, I said I wanted to get into Doctor Strange a little bit. Um, I read the beginning of Matthew introduced me to the the not the reimagining, but the uh, the retelling of Doctor Strange origin story. I started reading that a little while ago, and it got me into it. Dan, you asked me like we had this conversation. It was like, hey, we don't know who Doctor Strange is. Mm-mm. Um, I don't have enough to get into how I feel about the character, but I definitely want to give like a just inter- general introduction into who Dr. Strange is right now. Um, and after doing some more reading probably over the next week or so, I'm, you know, going to try to jump in and say like, this is how I feel about the character. Okay. Um, and I can't say if it's positive or negative right now because it's, I'm completely clean slate. Same here, but, man. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, but this will, this is starting off something that, you know, we're not going to do every week, but we'll do every once in a while. Um, I know we talked about uh, uh, about uh, God uh, talking about Black Panther and potentially also talking about uh, 
Deadpool, even though I feel like everybody listening to this knows who Deadpool is. I think they know Deadpool, but they don't know his origins. Yes. Um, and we have just a week before we can do Deadpool. I'm, I'm pretty sure that there's going to be... Well, I mean, the, the movie is an origin story in, in sorts, so mm-hmm. I don't know how much we'll need to tell after this, but we'll find out. We'll find out. Um, so I wrote this up, um, and it gets more into the history of the character, where he came from, what, what, uh, what his origin uh, book was, and... And just a basic, you know, basic background of his of who he is. So here we go. Um, Doctor Strange was created by uh, Steve Ditko and Stanley. Um, he was the was first featured in Strange Tales number one ten, one ten, which also um, featured an uh, featured the Human Torch for the first time. Um, and unlike comic book heroes of the time, Doctor Strange was typically regarded to as a myth. Um, and the character who he was, uh, the, how he was introduced was through a man being haunted in his dreams. And he actually searches out for Dr. Strange, um, to help him with this disturbance. Wow. Um, and he, Dr. Strange, uh, yell, tells the man that he'll help him with his issues by quote, entering your dream. <laughs> <laughs> and it's really weird. Um, but, uh, he, it, he, he goes inside the man's head and, and ends up like, helping him out and you get an introduction to the ancient one as well. Um, and that's really what you know of him at the time. It wasn't until strange tells one fifteen, where you actually get the Dr. Strange origin. Um, and you find out that unlike villains who take on, you know, the, the, the name doctor, Dr. Strange is actually a doctor. He, he was, you know, born a human to Eugene and Beverly strange. Um, and he pursues medicine after he helps save his youngest sister with her injuries. Um, and he goes into medical school. He goes through uh, actually some turmoil in there where his, his younger sister, who he previously saved, actually drowns. Um, and that lead, gives him a, a bleak look on life for a while. Um, and then he finally excels and, and becomes a, develops a great skill as a neurosurgeon. Um, and with that skill, he grows notoriety and he grows a, a great amount of arrogance as well. He is, mm. uh, um, many of the websites didn't use this word, but I, I, just from what I've been reading so far and just in the research of Dr. Strange, he seemed to be a, a bit of a dick to be honest with you. Um, but that changes when he, uh, is in a car accident that damages his hands. Uh, and this, uh, this disaster actually leads him to search for a cure and it actually leads him to the ancient one. And it's finding the ancient one that will lead uh, Dr. Strange into finding a state of tranquility, one that he's never really found before and helps manifest a magnificent power um, that the ancient one sees in him um, and will lead to him becoming Dr. Strange that we will learn about in the future. Wow. So I kind of, it makes me kind of wonder how the movie is going to tell Doctor Strange's story because, one, we know for sure that this movie is going to be an origin story for Doctor Strange. Uh, so, and we've, in some of the set picks, Marvel's been pretty hush-hush with this project. And from the set picks that we've seen, we've seen Benedict Cumberbatch, for those of you who don't know, is going to be Doctor Strange, who basically looks like Doctor Strange to begin with. So a lot of fans are clamoring for it 
for Benedict Cumberbatch to be uh, Doctor Strange and, and thankfully Marvel and, and the good Benedict uh, obliged us. Um, but we see from the set photos that there's more kind of like a Batman Begins-esque presence or feeling that uh, they did some shooting, I believe, over in Tibet. And, mm-hmm. and this could be where Doctor Strange is seeking out the Ancient One. And then, uh, and then we've seen a couple pictures of him in his in his garb in his full Doctor Strange getup, and he looks faithful to the adaptation, and I'm pretty stoked about it. Um, now, you know, as I said before, uh, a lot of this stuff has kind of been kept under wraps um, about um, about the Doctor Strange movie, and I'm having technical. Okay, here we go. Um, and so it's going to be really interesting to see, you know, how this how this uh, um, how this movie turns out. The one thing I'm I'm not too sure about is I think it's going to be the villain is going to be another anti Doctor Strange slash, um, you know, kind of along the lines of Tony's of Iron Man had the Iron Monger, Ant Man mm-hmm. had the Yellow Jacket, but however. There is going to be there's I think they might be might be uh, shaking some things up here because I'm going to butcher this cast member's name, Chiwetel Ejiofor. I don't know. Oh, Chiwetel Ejiofor. Ejiofor, yes. Uh, he's he's going to be he's going to be playing Baron Mordor M- Mordo, who is an enemy of Doctor Strange, uh, and that also appeared in the comic Strange Tales, and even though he's a rival. Uh, the movie claim that that uh, he won't necessarily be a villain in this movie. Instead, he'll be some sort of amalgamation of characters culled from the doc from Doctor Strange's mythology. Uh, the primary villain that role is going to Mads Mikkelsen, who is from Casino Royale and Hannibal, the TV show. And it, there's no specifics about his role, but it, it appears that he's going to be an antagonist to Doctor Strange as some sorcerer character. Nothing's been confirmed yet. And Mickelson, for his part, has yet to comment on the possible part. Still, fans are are have already speculated that the actor would be perfect to play the powerful mystical being Dormammu. Um, so it's going to be interesting. So, and and here's a brief update from um, from Mads Mickelson, who says that uh, uh, this that his character is going to be a sorcerer who breaks off into his own sect. Uh, while Doctor Strange and Tilda Swinton's Ancient One, so Tilda Swinton will be playing the Ancient One, fight to per- protect people from the scary things lurking in other dimensions, Mickelson's character apparently disagrees. He believes that the Ancient One is just protecting her own power base and that the world may be better off if we were to allow some of these things through. And so that's kind of what we know. Uh, we've seen some some photos of the... of. Doctor Strange's Sanctum Sanctorum, uh, which is I don't know too much about that, um, but I guess it's where um, more or less Doctor Strange goes to to cast spells and 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 train. I don't know since we both haven't done uh, haven't uh, explored much about Doctor Strange. Uh, however, I'm pretty I'm pretty excited because even though this is an origin story and I'm kind of getting sick of comic book characters and origin stories. This seems to be more like Hellboy mixed with 
Iron Man, I guess you could say, <clears throat> uh, especially dealing with dimensions and creatures of other dimensions coming out into into our world. And Doctor Strange and the Ancient One is the protector of our our dimension from uh, and our world from these creatures coming through. And not to mention just the magic. It's not going to be grounded in realism. It's not going to be gritty and and dark and all that. I mean, it might be gritty and dark, but it's not going to be grounded in realism. So I'm really excited to see this magical world that uh, that Marvel's going to be building and how Doctor Strange will figure into not only the Marvel Universe, but into the Avengers. Yeah, I'm pretty excited about it too. And I got to be honest, when I first, actually when I first started reading about it, I, I thought they said that it wasn't going to be a, an origin story. But it turns out that uh, Kevin Feige actually had a response to that. And he said, uh, quote, for some reason, people sometimes talked about how we're not doing an origin story. We're bored of origin stories. I think, and this is him speaking still, I think people are bored of origin stories they've seen before or origin stories that are overly familiar. Um, he goes on to say, Doctor Strange has one of the best, most classic, most unique origin stories of any hero we have. So why wouldn't we do that? Yeah. And I think that's interesting that he points it out because one of the, like while I was doing some research on this, uh, one of the sites, and again, these will be in the show notes um, after the show, we'll post after the show, but uh, one of the blogs I was reading, uh, Grantland actually said that, you know, Strange Tells uh, 115, which is Doctor Strange's origin story, is by far one of the greatest origin stories in the Silver Age, you know, which, which says a lot. Um, but, uh, I, I will leave that there. I, I, I'm looking forward to it and mm-hmm. I agree with you, Dan. I think origin stories can be played out. I think Spider-Man's origin story has been played out. Yes. Um, I think we've seen uncle Ben die one too many times. <laughs> uh, and Thomas and Martha Wayne died too many times. Yeah. Uh, which I don't even know how to feel about that because yeah, again, <laughs> uh, the Waynes die, uh, yet again <laughs> um but I, I i think there can be like like doctor strange has not been done before so i think it's possible to do him and and to you know to have that new interesting character um and have his origin story i i think having this guy who is if it goes with how the original origin story goes where he's this arrogant guy who i think benedict cumberbatch can play very well after watching sherlock mm-hmm. um i think showing him pretty much being broken down to nothing and, you know, losing who he is and being learning who he is from inside out and, and taking on the, the moniker as uh, the sorcerer Supreme. I think that could be a, a great, interesting story. I agree. You know, um, I'm excited. Yeah. I wasn't initially, I wasn't really excited. I thought it was like, eh, it's going to be a Dr. Strange movie, you know, just another, uh, uh, Avenger that's going to show up in Infinity War, but now I'm actually kind of excited about it. Yeah, I think I, like I said, I, I'm glad they're doing something different, and that's mm-hmm. coming from the guy who hasn't seen Ant Man yet. Um, <laughs> I, I, I'm looking out. for something different. You know, I, I know I'm missing out. I, I, I gotta watch it. <laughs> there, there's so much to do in so little time. I, I gotta read Doctor Strange now, man. <laughs> um, but yeah, I. You know, I love like that. That's one of the reasons I love Guardians because it wasn't stuck on Earth. It was not. Oh, we have to protect Earth. That's one of the reasons why, I, you know, why I love sci-fi is because it's usually taking us away from the planet. And hope I'm, you know, granted, Doctor Strange won't give us that, but it will give us something that's a little bit different. A little bit, you know, we don't see, 
we don't see superheroes conjuring spells except for Scarlet Witch. Um, mm-hmm. We don't see superheroes conjuring spells in the middle of a battle or, or just in general. So I think that could be something new. And I think having a character who is, you know, finding an inner peace about themselves is something that's th- that will be interesting to see. Um, and I'll, like I said, I, I've got to read more and and I'll report back into seeing, you know, where I where I feel about this and you know how I feel about the character. Yeah, awesome. Um, so that's Doctor Strange for now. Like I said, we will be talking about him more as we go along, as well as Black Panther and a few more other characters. Mm-hmm. Um, before we wrapped up, I wanted to just talk about a few things that I nerded out on over the week because we had the ice snowstorm that uh, gave trapped us in over the weekend, mm-hmm. and uh, I finally got to watch uh, the Expanse on uh, Sci-Fi, and I have to say that. Hearing people say this is one of the best shows on sci-fi, I honestly didn't believe it just because sci-fi has been home to Battlestar Galactica, Farscape, Stargate SG-1, Stargate Atlantis, Stargate Universe even. And I will say that Stargate Universe was a good show. Yeah. And, you know, I, I was like, how can The Expanse live up to this? And I was wrong. I was completely wrong about the show. Like... Watching the pilot, it was a little rough, and I will be honest, you know, Matthew and I watched it, and it, I was like, I'm going to keep watching, because everybody's saying this is good, but it did feel iffy. Mm-hmm. But t- picking up after that, like, the politics in the show, you know, there's this dichotomy between, not going into too many spoilers, but there's a, uh, there's this, like, this, this power struggle between Earth and Mars, and it has the asteroid belt in the b- middle um, between the two. Um, it's... It's got some great actors. It's got, you know, it it understands the physics of space in many ways that, you know, in ways that Star Trek never even took into consideration. Um, and it it feels like that's what we could become as a, like a, a society or as a species going towards, okay, well, you know, we send people to Mars, we build up Mars, we have colonies on Mars, and just like America, Mars declares independence. Um and huh. what are the ramifications of that? And what does that lead to? Um, and this is not a spoiler because it's the basis of the show, but it it leads to a Cold War, essentially. Not a war, but it's a Cold War type situation between Earth and Mars, just like the Cold War was between the United States and Russia. Oh, um, and there's... It deals with politics in a way that, I, you know, is very, very BS... Uh, Battlestar Galactica... Um, Reminds me a lot of Battlestar Galactica. Reminds me a lot of uh, even the West Wing in a sense, like just the way, you know, things go into it. Uh, actually, maybe more uh, more <laughs> House of Cards, ironically, because it, it's more, you know, gritty politically wise. Um, but yeah, that's uh, that's a show that I, I will I will give a glowing recommendation. I have finished all all seven episodes, which is current uh, as of Tuesday. Um, also this weekend i didn't get to watch it because matthew and i watch wrestling like religiously at this point um (laughs) so i didn't watch the premiere when it came out but i watched the x-files as well um and i have to say i really enjoyed it there was a lot of there there were mixed reviews online some people loved it some people hated it Mm -hmm. i in honesty for me and again not giving out any spoilers it felt like the force awakens where it had to reestablish like the fan base because the last X-Files movie was not good mm-hmm. um, and it had to bring people back in and, and re-engage them and I think it did that job well um, 
The second episode I thought was a great episode as well. Um, it was a Monster Week style episode, um, but it was a good Monster of the Week style episode. It, it had some really interesting thoughts and um, you get some uh, good backstory, even though it's Monster of the Week. So Nice. I'll have to check that out. Yeah, I've been meaning to check it out. We've had a lot of TV shows uh, to, to look at and we just, Jess and I just finished up making a murder, which is... <laughs> Which is good stuff. So uh, I'm hoping that um, tonight we're probably going to be watching some of our superhero shows, and then uh, and I'll need to, and then I'll be able to get into X Files hopefully maybe this weekend. Well, it is on Hulu, so you can watch it there. Also, you can be aware of this, but uh, with uh, I mean, it's only six episodes this for this miniseries. Mm-hmm. So worst case scenario, you can always just watch it at the end uh, and just binge it because it's they're 45 minutes uh, each because it's you know prime time hour or TV network hour so mm-hmm. it's not too much time to put into it's it's great time to put on while you're at the gym which i can speak to with plenty of experience oh very nice. very nice um and then my final nerding out you know i so here's the thing i i watched a tv show called life on mars mm-hmm. um that came on i think it was 2007 um and i heard this song which is the beginning which was this the show was named after um called life on mars um by david bowie mm-hmm. i was aware of bowie's existence thanks to uh the movie zoolander but i didn't know who david bowie was i didn't know his music or anything like that and that show led me down this path of, of finding out who david like david bowie is music wise um and just falling in love with his music and music and leading him to be one of my favorite musicians and as everyone's aware, he passed away uh, two weeks ago at this point. Um, and I just wanted to say, you know, that was, that's some, his music is something I've been listening to off and on since his passing. Mm-hmm. Uh, because for him, like, for, for me, excuse me, Ziggy Stardust actually came at a time which was really, uh, really important for my life. And it helped me, you know, be comfortable with being, you know, different and being, comfortable with who I am and embracing my differences from society. I think that's something that we all go through in one way or another when we were in college and you know, after we've left high school, like realizing that, you know, it's okay to be different. But uh, for me, uh, Ziggy Stardust and David Bowie was there to help make that transition a lot smoother. So for that, I am grateful. And that is why I'm nerding out to David Bowie again. Very nice. Even though I'm sad to say I wasn't, I didn't really get into much of David Bowie's music. I mean, I've, listen to him with queen and stuff but it's definitely something i'm gonna have to get into and and uh especially now since he's passed so i don't i'm not going to be that that uh, the bandwagon fan but i definitely will uh you know check out his music so we'll see what happens yeah and that's the that's the sad thing about you know passing of celebrities i mean sometimes people aren't aware of them until they pass and there's a big mark on the world because of that um Mm-hmm. And you know, I you know, if, if it turns out that you you are a fan of him after he's passed, okay, well then, I don't consider that bandwagon unless you know you're just there for you know the free retweets. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't think that's what you'd be there for anyway, Dan. Yeah, very true. So, so what about you? What are you nerding out on? For me, what I've been nerding out on, uh, I picked up Lego Batman Three this past week, and for those of you who know me, I I very much enjoy the Lego video games. I think they're hilarious. They got good storylines, and they've got their stories are actually. I mean, they got good characters. 
and and Lego Batman three so far it hasn't disappointed. It's it's expanded the universe. We're fighting. I'm fighting Brainiac. Uh, he's he's come through. He's trying to shrink the world, and in order to do that, he's taken over ev- all of the uh, the lanterns, the red lantern, red, pink, yellow, green, all those blue lanterns. He's uh, he's taking control of that to help shrink the earth so he can add it to his collection, and you have to to fight with the Justice League to stop that. And it's uh, it, it's got a lot. Um, there's a lot of. Uh, it's it's not really a Batman game. It's more a uh, a Justice League game. Whereas when I played Lego Batman Two, you were basically Batman and Robin the entire time, Batman or Robin the entire time. But in Lego Batman Three, you're you're uh, you're Batman, you're Superman, you're the Flash, Wonder Woman. I mean, you're you're it's a, it's a pretty good ensemble game. So I highly recommend to pick it up if you haven't. Um, additionally. I, uh, Jess and I, we got into Legends of Tomorrow, which uh, Matthew and I were talking about earlier before we started pr- recording. My prediction: it's going to be it's going to be a cult TV show on the status with similar to to Firefly. And um, there's, I think it's I think it's got a the pilot episode was great. I'm really excited to see where it's going. And of course, for those of you who don't know about Legends of Tomorrow, it's it's the uh, the crossover TV show between The Flash and Arrow. And we see Adam, we see the Adam, we see Captain Cold, Heat Wave, Firestorm, Hawkman, Hawkgirl, and Rip Hunter as they as they travel through time to stop Vandal Savage. And this is going to be an eleven episode season, and it's going to be really interesting to see where they go. Hopefully, this is not going to be Matthew and I discussed. Hopefully, it won't be chasing Vandal Savage through time. And, you know, oh, we just missed him. You know, we'll get him next time kind of type deal. But um, it's got Captain Cold steals the show, steals the episode, steals the scene in every uh, in every scene that he's in. He's poetic. He's corny. He's cheesy. And it works. Um, So I highly recommend if you haven't been able to, I highly recommend checking out Legends of Tomorrow. And that goes for you, too, Ken. Once you get in the flash, (laughs) you're going to have to (laughs) get in the you you perked my ears up for a second because I heard you say Vandal Savage and I swore for a second you said Randy Savage. Oh. And I was just imagining them chasing around Macho Man Randy Savage <laughs> in time. Yes, they recruited Hulk Hogan to... <laughs> as well. I'm coming for you, brother. <laughs> I think wrestling may have taken over my life a little bit. <laughs> I, I um, have to admit that. Finally, the last thing that I've been nerding out on that I was able to finish up on Netflix, Making a Murder, the, uh, as many of you know, unless you've been living under a rock, the, the supposed uh, case of Stephen Avery, did he murder 25-year-old Teresa Halbach in, in 2006, or excuse me, 2005? Uh, it's definitely a good show to check out. I, I'm not the law and order type guy. I don't like CSI. I don't like those kinds of shows. However, Making a Murder is a really good documentary. It presents a lot of information really quickly, so it de- a lot of the episodes are definitely worth some, worth rewatching, and it gives you the opportunity to, even though that this is an actual trial and the verdict was reached, and uh, the ju- and judgment was passed, it leaves it to you to de- to decide if you really think that Stephen Avery, the the accused man 
was guilty or innocent, in fact, for kill for this murder that uh, that he's been charged with. Hmm. So, yeah, that definitely. I've mentioned this before, but that definitely sounds a lot like the uh, the the podcast serial, where they mm-hmm. uh, they break out that story. The first season was they break out the story about a a high school student who may or may not have murdered a uh, his ex girlfriend, um, and it actually is along the same lines of you know the the case has been adjudicated you know the Adnan had been found guilty, um, but it presents some things in different light and it makes you like as a listener engage and consider like well did he do this did he not do this was he wrongfully convicted or not. Um, so I think if, if you like making a murder and you need something to listen to while you're walking or driving to work or, or to school, you, you might want to check out Serial as well. Cause it's, it's very along the same lines of making a murder. Huh? Yeah. I'll get, definitely check that out. Um, so yeah. Well, man, I think we might, uh, we, we might've uh, hit the end of the episode. Oh, we sure have, man. <laughs> <laughs> But, uh, but as usual, we'll be back next week. Um, well, I, I will give my preliminary thoughts on Doctor Strange and how he fits into the Marvel Universe. We'll also delve into, uh, as always, more comic book, sci-fi, gaming thoughts, and gaming thoughts. And uh, we'll talk about any damn, anything that we damn well wish to. So uh, <laughs> with that being said, uh, as always, you can reach out to the podcast on Twitter at SpeakCasually and send an email to NerdingCasually at gmail.com or post a comment to the Nerding Casually blog where you can find our show notes. Also, you can find me on Twitter, that's uh, on, at Kenji, and Facebook.com slash Kenji, that's K-E-N-G-E. And Dan, where can people find you online? As always, they can find me retweeting at, at dbrixis99, that's D-B-R-I-X-I-U-S, the number 99, or Facebook.com slash Dan.B-R-I-C-K-S. Awesome. And with that, Nerding Casually is recorded at Glenmore Station in Raleigh, North Carolina. And recorded at Not Fox Studios in St. Louis, Missouri. Our engineer slash producer is Matthew Moore, and you can find his work at swiftobjectives.com. Until next time, true believers, keep nerding out.